0: Welcome to Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD. This medical industry feature, titled Exploring the Use of Peptide-Based Formulas in Entral Nutrition Therapy, is sponsored by Peptimen. Here's your host, Dr. Jennifer Caudill. This is Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, and I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Caudill. Joining me today to discuss the use of peptide-based 2B formulas in the post-acute care or home care setting, is Dr. Manpreet Mundi, who's a professor of medicine in the Department of Endocrinology at the Mayo Clinic College of Medicine and Science in Rochester, Minnesota. Dr. Mundi, welcome to the program.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Well, we're delighted that you're here. So let's start with some background. Uh, Can you discuss how common home enteral nutrition intolerance
1: is? In terms of enteral feeding intolerance, we have a number of studies evaluating patients who are hospitalized or critically ill, demonstrating that enteral nutrition intolerance is quite prevalent and can be seen in up to 30 to 40% of patients. Most commonly, the symptoms that patients report to us include gas, bloating, abdominal distension, nausea, vomiting, or diarrhea. Often, enteral feeding intolerance leads to tube feeds being held and patients falling behind in terms of nutrition. There's much less data available for the home enteral nutrition population, we recently completed a review of our patient population that included over 1,600 patients on enteral nutrition at home. We found that over 20% of patients reported symptoms of intolerance, with the most common being, again, nausea, vomiting, followed by diarrhea, gas, bloating, constipation, abdominal pain, and even reflux. So the overall prevalence of enteral feeding intolerance had improved From the 30 to 40% we see in hospitalized patients, but one in five patients on enteral feeding at home still reported symptoms of intolerance. What are the steps
0: involved for caregivers and patients who are dealing with home enteral feeding intolerance? And what are the possible outcomes if enteral feeding intolerance is not addressed?
1: There are a number of ways to address home enteral nutrition intolerance, and they can largely depend on the symptoms the patient is expressing. As an example, in patients with diarrhea or constipation, adding fiber to the formula or using a fiber-containing formula can be helpful. At times, we may try and slow down the rate at which patients are providing their feedings. However, in many cases, patients continue to have intolerance despite these steps. Unfortunately, the consequences of this intolerance can be quite significant, because these patients are not able to meet their nutritional needs, which can pose further problems since many are already malnourished. Additionally, many patients end up presenting to their local emergency room or urgent care center for further workup, which can be quite costly, involving studies such as CT scan, endoscopy, along with consultations with specialists such as gastroenterology. Due to this, there's an urgency to manage these symptoms one option that has been quite successful for us has been to transition these patients to another formula, such as a peptide-based formula.
0: For those of you who are just tuning in, you're listening to Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Cardle, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Manpreet Mundi about the management of enteral feeding intolerance with peptide-based tube feeding formulas. So Dr. Mundy, Now that we have a better understanding of how enteral or tube feeding intolerance can impact patients and their caregivers, let's switch gears and focus on how semi-elemental peptide-based tube feeding formulas might help us address those challenges. Can you explain how this formula could help alleviate enteral feeding intolerance?
1: Unlike standard formulas which contain intact proteins, peptide-based formulas contain enzymatically hydrolyzed protein which increases the amount of dye and tripeptides. Normally, as part of our protein digestive process, intact proteins undergo denaturation, followed by breakdown of the long amino acid chains by gastric and pancreatic proteases. In patients with altered anatomy or illness, this may not occur. With a formula that's higher in dye and tripeptides, Theoretically, we can get better absorption of amino acids as they are transporters such as PEPT1 that can help absorb dye and tripeptides. We also know that these oligopeptide transporters can be expressed in higher amounts in the small bowel and colon in patients with altered anatomy, such as short bowel syndrome. Another change to the ingredient list is the use of higher MCT. Just as with the breakdown of protein, The digestion, absorption, and utilization of fats is also very complex. Fatty acids can be classified as short, medium, or long-chain fatty acids, depending on the number of carbons they contain. So as an example, medium-chain fatty acids typically contain 6 to 12 carbons, whereas long-chain fatty acids may have 13 to 22. Most fats in our diet are present as triglycerides, which are typically three fatty acids bound to glycerol. As we all know, oil and water don't mix, so our bile salts help emulsify the fat into small lipid droplets. These lipid droplets are then acted upon by pancreatic lipase to break down the triglycerides into a mixture of tri-, di-, and monoglycerides, along with free fatty acids, which are then absorbed by the enterocytes. MCT, on the other hand, are more water soluble and can be readily absorbed. After they're absorbed, long chain fatty acids are resynthesized into triglycerides and packaged into chylomicrons and released into our lymphatics where they enter the blood through the thoracic duct. MCT, on the other hand, can go into the portal circulation and enter the liver and be oxidized. Even when the LCTs get to the liver, they have to go through the carnitine transport in order to enter the mitochondria. So as you can see how using these ingredients, especially with enzymatically hydrolyzed proteins yielding higher dye, tripeptides, and higher MCT content can make a significant difference in helping us absorb and utilize nutrients enterally.
0: Now, there are a few different peptide-based formulas available for clinicians to use. So what attributes of a semi-elemental formula do you take into consideration that would most benefit the patient? And are all peptide formulas the same?
1: This is a great point. Not all peptide-based formulas are the same. These formulas can differ in terms of their protein source, the hydrolyzing process, and the amount of ditripeptides it yields. The formulas can also differ in terms of the carbohydrate source, as well as the source of lipids, including how much MCT is added. Again, all of this can have an impact on tolerance, so it's very important for the provider to consider which formula they're using.
0: And based on your experience, how important is clinical evidence when determining which peptide-based product to use?
1: To me, clinical evidence is key and it's led to significant changes in our own practice. We recently conducted a review of our adult and pediatric home enteral nutrition population, evaluating patients who had been placed on peptide-based formula, including those who had been switched from a standard polymeric formula to a peptide-based formula due to symptoms of intolerance. In this group, we saw a significant reduction in the symptoms of intolerance such as nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, abdominal pain, and cramping. In fact, close to half of the patients after this transition became completely asymptomatic. What was especially striking was a reduction in healthcare utilization. We saw the average number of patient-initiated phone calls, scheduled visits, and ER visits decrease. The same exact results were found in our pediatric cohort, including a significant reduction in healthcare utilization. Prior to these results, I think I would try many different strategies to manage enteral formula intolerance, often putting my patients through a lot, including adding fiber, changing the rate, imaging studies, consults, you name it. I was under the impression that peptide-based formulas are expensive, so let me try these other options. We then conducted a study where we looked at patients who had been transitioned from standard polymeric formula to 100% whey peptide-based formula between October 2018 and August of 2020. We studied healthcare costs, including inpatient care, outpatient visits, and ER visits, For the four-week period before the transition and compared that to eight weeks after the transition. Similar to our other studies, we saw that enteral formula intolerance symptoms decreased by 50% after the transition. However, what was shocking was how much overall costs and home enteral nutrition-related costs decreased. It seemed that both overall healthcare utilization costs and home enteral nutrition-related costs Increased the four weeks prior to the transition to peptide based formula and then began to decline steadily. Looking at the numbers, the price of peptide based formulas paled in comparison to healthcare utilization costs. Now, I'm much more likely to transition my patients to a peptide based formula if they're intolerant to standard polymeric formula or to start them on a peptide-based formula from the very beginning, if I suspect they have anatomy that will benefit from the ingredients in a peptide-based formula. And we've certainly covered
0: a lot of ground today, Dr. Mundy. So before we close, outside of managing or treating symptoms of documented intolerance, are peptide-based formulas indicated for preventing intolerance in any other specific disease conditions?
1: In addition to using peptide-based formulas for patients who are intolerant to standard polymeric formulas, we also have been more aggressive about their use in patients with high likelihood of intolerances, such as those with anatomy or diseases that predispose to malabsorption, such as bariatric surgery, pancreatic insufficiency, status post Whipple, just to name a few. Well, those are some great points to take
0: with us regarding semi-elemental peptide-based tube beating formulas. And as that brings us to the end of today's program, I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Manpreet Mundi, for sharing his insights with us. Dr. Mundi, it was great speaking with you today.
1: Thank you, Dr. Cottle. It was my pleasure.
0: This program was sponsored by Peptimen. If you missed any part of this discussion, visit Clinician's Roundtable at ReachMD.com where you can be part of the knowledge.